0: Spider-Man Sweetened Rice Cereal. Spider-Man Cereal is here. Line into breakfast with your favorite wall crawler. Sweet crispy webs packed with marshmallows, Goblins, Pumpkin Bombs, the Kingpin, the Spidey Tracer, and Peter Parker's camera. Plus, every box has cool Spider-Man stuff to order. Spider-Man Cereal. It's breakfast on the wild side.
1: Marvel Comics, Spider-Man, including all characters, names, and likenesses. DM and copyright 1995. Marvel Entertainment Group Incorporated.
0: dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff, and we present Unpacking the Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while <laughs> drinking beer. This is actually a series of the 90s. There's a typo here. Analy- oh, you're oh, because it's the 80s of Power, power pack. pack. I got it. Yeah. I got it. We've never, we're we've never
1: changed it. We've never changed it. All right. We will get into this, and then, then you can just take – you've already taken over the show, but let's go ahead and try this. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> I, like, I like you, David. You're awesome.
2: This is fun. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am David. Our people once were random banterers, but unlike you, Jake, they were people with mana, pride, people with spirit. If my spirit can survive living with you for 18 years, then I can survive anything. Arr- Random banter time, my buddies. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today.
1: So another thing we do on the show is Jeff likes to just fill in the random banter with some surprising random surprising piece of pop trivia, and I have to try to figure it out. And I have no clue. Although it has to be warriors related because he's somehow put that in there. Uh, do you have Yeah, I had
2: a theme. Yeah, do you have any idea <laughs> so. what that's from? I'll give you a little hint, and I will just say it because I will replace random banters with warriors. It's, our people were once warriors. It's not Road Warrior, is it? It is not. Ro- oh, that would have been a great one to pull. <laughs> Why couldn't I even think of <laughs> that? I was okay. struggling for
0: warrior Could quotes. you do, like, I am the warrior?
1: We've done that one. Did that, we first, did that first one. Or you could do Warriors
0: come out and play, which I'm sure a lot of people call We did that one, yeah. Did that second one with yeah. Delvin, yep. There's a movie called Once We Were Warriors.
2: Yes, you got it. It is a New Zealand film about an abusive uh, Django Fett, who's also a Boba Fett, to his family, and one of the one of the daughters commits suicide. Yeah. I love New Zealand. It did not endear me to New Zealand, but it's a great film that has lived rent free in my head for like twenty years, just because it was strong enough that I never wanted to see it again.
0: But it was a good film. I have never seen it or heard of it. It has a lot of resonance. I think I saw a preview of it. Back when Cisco and Ebert were a thing in the 90s. No, I, I had
1: never heard of that one. So thank you very much, David. And we should also say, this is David Gallagher. He is visiting us. On our fourth and final installment of this New Warriors thing, and he is a mega New Warrior fan and a writer of comic books and video games, and I have recently become a fan, well, I guess this past year, of his The Only Living Boy, and I am, I should say, I and my daughter are both really impressed with his work.
0: But David, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I owe my comic book career to the New Warriors. I'm really excited to be here. You were telling
1: us before that you started off your collection of new warriors at the very beginning with the mail service Are the, um, oh, was at the mail poll or were you,
0: there was a new warriors, uh, newsletter that I got into, I want to say from, AOL back when AOL was a thing and Tom Brevoort and Eric Larson and John Byrne and Kurt Busiek all had little boards on the AOL little forum servers when you did like command K for keyword chat or whatever it was. But through that, I got to know Evan Skolnick and Tom Brevoort and got to meet all these cool fans and eventually got to see some super secret never before published new Warriors stories one written Mm. by dan slot of all people so yeah it's it's kind of a kind of crazy fun to to see oh and then later it ended it helped me get into my internship at marvel comics so it was a lot of fun i didn't know you could be a marvel intern i i didn't know that was a thing but evan skolnick had done a signing in new jersey and i drove up from maryland to new jersey to have him sign some comic books for me. And one of the other people that was there was a uh, Marvel intern at the time. And I said, like, you could be a Marvel intern. I was like 20. Like, you could be a Marvel intern. And they're like, yeah, you can, you can be a Marvel intern. I was like, oh my God, I want to be a Marvel intern. Uh, yeah. So I, that was a lot of fun. And then I got an opportunity. I had a new Warriors shirt that was based on the Derek Robertson art that said, all they want to do is change the world. And it never made it to major distribution because the red on the back came up like a little extra bright pink, and it was a giant pink triangle on the back. So in the 90s, that was that was not really the kind of messaging Marvel was looking for.
1: I am impressed with the story about how you became an intern. I we've had the opportunity to speak with John Bogdanoff, and hearing different people's stories about how they got into Marvel Comics, or how they got into comics, how they got their foot in the door to find out, to, to, to actually become creators, or to follow their dreams. It's always fascinating to hear, and it's, it's a really cool story to hear that just playing around on a message board, yep. you somehow tripped into
0: that experience, so that's really awesome. Yeah, it was, it was just a tremendous amount of fun for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what kind of work would they have you do as an intern?
0: Well, I worked as uh, an intern in the interactive department. So I worked primarily on the Marvel Cybercomic. comic. So I edited stories. I wrote some stories, photocopied a lot of digital art because we were making these like pseudo animated Flash style comic books called, mm-hmm. I think, Cybercomics at the time. So we had one with Gambit. We did one with the Spider-Man and Doctor Doom. I got to write my first published credit was ever with an Iron Man story on that platform, so that was kind of fun. But yeah, it was all and it was a lot of like running down the street and delivering colored files to different colorists. It was um, answering emails. I answered and sorted probably hundreds, hundreds of emails a day. It was learning Photoshop tools. It was getting to know the people at Creative Services, getting to know the people at Marvel Legal, putting together contests, doing all the stuff that everybody else didn't want to do. But it was a tremendous amount of fun. And I, I worked with some of the greatest people of, of whom I'm still friends with today. And and weirdly, it, it set up my career in web comics because from there I went to to do DC Comics with their web comics for the Zuda program. I pioneered the, the original Comixology Comics originals with Box 13. Very much been on the precipice of being a digital comics pioneer and innovator. And <laughs> and that wouldn't have been possible without the internship.
2: That's great. And you answered the question that I was going to follow up with, which was, was it fun? Since it was all the <laughs> jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And you said that it was. So that's, yeah, that's was. awesome be- that you got to get in that way. That is really, yeah. really cool.
0: And now most of my stuff is web comics anyway. So that's a model I, I really wholeheartedly believe in is... is uh, using I mean and you you see it now with DC and Marvel comics releasing free comics online with like on the webtoon platform or what have you See
1: I like your way of getting into comics and meeting other creators other you know people that you saw as your heroes your way seems a lot more fun and interactive we just started a podcast <laughs> I don't recommend it but I mean you know you played to your creative strengths we played to our strengths that we could talk <laughs>
0: i used to run a podcast (laughs) so you understand i do Uh, i simultaneously love making a podcast and dread making a podcast the thing i love about podcasting is you get to talk the thing i Mm -hmm. really don't like about podcasting is editing it requires a, a really good ear and a lot of attention and if you don't pay attention you sort of Everything sort of stacks up. you're like, "Oh my God, I've got six podcasts to edit and they're gonna take six hours each And you know I can I can kind of vaguely watch TV in my periphery while writing something. I cannot watch TV in my periphery while editing a podcast. I, I'm
1: the one who edits all these and the, the six episodes behind. Yeah, between this and another podcast I do and a few other little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, there comes a point in time where all of a sudden you realize, oh no, I've let it get away from me, and now the tail is wagging the dog at this point in time. So, (laughs) yes, you have nailed it on the head, Um, but we do this for fun, we do this for our fans, we do this for people who like these comic books, and- we probably should get in and start talking about these comic books. Specifically, like I mentioned before, we're in our fourth and final chapter, let's say, of this New Warrior walkthrough, or skimming that we're doing, I should say. But before we can move any further, we need to find out what happened last episode. So, Jeff, please give us a two-cent replay of what
2: happened. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man... Man... Man. Spider-Man... So many Spider-Men. Because there are clones. So many clones. Because the Jackal is back and he has had one of his Spider-Clones steal a genetic Nanocontagium Goober, which he has used to create the Carrion Virus, which kills most everyone in the town of Springville, Pennsylvania, which draws the attention of the New Warriors and the Scarlet Spider, who is or isn't another clone. I can't remember one way or another at this point, but the real or also not real Peter Parker, like I said, I can't keep up with all of this clone stuff is going to have a baby with MJ. That is, if she survives him following the Jackal's post-death kill command, which he does because beating the snot out of the new warriors gave him the peace of mind that he needed to realize that the love of a good woman, which is more than enough to break free of the mind control that was going to have him kill a good woman that he loves, and then he secretly retires and is replaced by the Scarlet Spider, who again is or isn't a clone of Peter Parker. Now that the... Vance really doesn't like the Scarlet Spider because he hasn't immediately revealed his secret identity to him, but Vance loves Spider-Man, who also hasn't revealed his secret identity to him, and is actually now the Scarlet Spider, who Vance doesn't trust. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is?
1: My pleasure, my friend. Now... David, you might not know this, but what I like to do to Jeff is I like to give him a stack of beers, like a box of beers that are all wrapped up in these nice little paper bags. So he doesn't know what beer I'm giving him, but it will have something to do with this episode. Sort of. Kind of. So, Jeff, can you take out the beer and let me know what it is and let us know why I chose it? Not a problem. And, Rick, I do know what beer it is because on the label it says NW hashtag
2: four. Yeah, so, New Warriors number four. Well, what's in this bag? Let's draw it forth. It is Rogue Newport Knights. Oh, and that's got a cool West Coast India Pale Ale brewed with El Dorado hops. That is very Miami heat, very cyber future. Pinks and blues. It's got a like a You know, catamaran jet boat called the Mother Sucker, I think, or Mother. That is too small for me to read. It is the Mother something. (laughs) That's great. It is a cyber, cyber Miami Vice kind of vibe going on. And I believe Newport Nights is because, you know. Uh, Knights, you throw the word Knights on anything like Baywatch or something and it becomes very mature and edgy. (laughs) And uh, they did the same thing with New Warriors. A very mature and edgy comic group. And I'm going to say it's all cyber looking because the cyber time traveler despot takeover guy advent.
1: So I'm going to let you know that I I just decided to have a fun little you know, pun here. Newport like New Warriors and uh, Knights like, you know, Knight, like a k-n-i-g-h-t yes. like a like a warrior yeah, like, a, like, a, like a warrior so, so oh, okay. new warriors ha huh? it's a pun oh. it's a it's a bad pun
2: it's a bad <laughs> it's a bad, that pun. Is not <laughs> that's not even a pun that's terrible story, story time on it is a uh, parrot with oyster shooters karaoke
1: questionable dance moves it's a fun beer so david did you bring anything to drink
0: for the show that you would like to share with the listeners I am. I brought Wandering Barman Swipe Right, which is a pre-por- pre-portioned, old-fashioned with bourbon and sour whiskey. They sell it at the nearby Booza Hall store, uh, and it has a rich, boozy, ar- aromatic flavors, bourbon, dates, orange bitters, filtered water it is stored cold and sentiment is natural but you have to shake it in the bottle and pour it over cold 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 ice and it is a delicious delicious refreshing old fashioned. all for about six dollars which is about a third of a price of an old fashioned here in new york city
1: i love me an old <laughs> fashioned.
0: Nice. i love old fashions it is the only bourbon it's the only thing i drink i'm not a beer drinker uh, and occasionally I'll have a margarita with some tacos, uh, or a Moscow <laughs> Mule.
2: Uh, Moscow Mules are a fave.
0: Yeah, but an old fashioned is a good standard, uh, standby. It doesn't have the carbs that beer does, and it doesn't have the sugar that wine does. It doesn't. Like if I drink wine, I'm asleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can respect that, and the prices in New York. Yeah, I, I can understand. I can understand. I, I. It's been a few years now since I've been, but I, I. Was uh, I had an overnight layover there one night and uh, met up with Kwanzaa Afoni to go out and have some beers with him. Kwanzaa
0: were, and I were interns together. Oh,
1: I did not know that. I did not know that. But he is an amazing guy. I had a great time talking to him that night.
0: Yeah. And in fact, Kwanzaa is a huge fan of Power Pack. Yes, yep. he is. Huge, huge fan of Power Pack. And he was my editor at Zuda when we went to DC Comics.
1: Uh, I was play around the internet one day and I did a YouTube search and somehow found this podcast of these two African-American ladies who were talking to Kwanzaa and they were talking about, you know, what his favorite comic books was. And he said his favorite comic book character was Katie power, which stopped those two ladies in their tracks (laughs) and made me reach out to him and say, I need you on our show. And he actually uh, was on our show and he helped us go through one of the power pack. But I, I really like him.
0: And I don't, if you know this, his power pack, he put together some power pack pitches that I had the pleasure of reading about 20 years ago. And they're so good. <sighs> he's a good guy. I, I
1: like his work. I like a lot of things. I look out any work he's doing these days. And like I said, had a great time talking with him that night and drinking beers with him. Speaking of the beers, though, uh, Jeff.
2: It is a, a lovely, bubbly, dark amber, slight haze to it. looks looks It looks like a really pretty beer. It looks like a nice beer, and the nose on it is very IPA.
1: Yeah, this is, but it's it's a very subtle IPA. Yeah, it's subtle. It's very sweet smelling, and it also has some good tropical flavors in there as well.
2: Yeah, it's got yeah good fruit notes, good uh, tropical fruit notes, and uh, and a little bit of the the hops coming in. So when I when I first opened the can, it was very like IPA, and uh, now that it's in a in a glass, it's it's like mellowed out. It was like the 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 hopness fled. And said, <laughs> okay, here we are, and eh, we're gone. And now it is very tropical fruit notes, which is really, really nice.
1: But take a sip of that, because those fruit notes are going to hit a little bit st- uh, stronger, mm. I think. Little tart. Little tart. A little tart, but little, but dank very that. little dank. to Little dink, but there's still a lot of really good mm-hmm. fruit notes that were in there. It's
2: like a old passion fruit or something is kind of the flavor I'm getting off that.
1: Yeah, I can, I can go with that. A little bit of passion fruit, um... It's not bad, though. It doesn't have a lot of hops. It doesn't have that rusted metal hit, which is nice.
2: Yeah, so it's, it doesn't have the traditional IPA uh, iron nail notes, no. but it does have, no. uh, like, old fruit flavors going for it. In fact, I have a a, a not-so-old fruit fly flying around it right now that I'm trying to swap at. So. <laughs> uh,
1: well, this is 60 IBU and 4.8% alcohol, so uh, not too bad, not too bad. I think this will be pleasant to drink tonight as we go through the rest of this episode but i should check in here really quick with david um this is your favorite or one of your favorite old fashions right
0: yep you want to say anything else about it that you haven't already said (laughs) uh it's delicious it's called wandering barman it is uh i'm going to take a sip cheers gentlemen cheers cheers to you a prost to comics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and First the friends of, yeah. we make while reading them. I like the idea that it's like, I heard somebody refer to Cheers once as like high five cups, like, <laughs> <laughs> like high five,
2: <laughs> Both <But but with laughs> cups, dangerous high five. Cause <laughs> there could be spilling and broken glass.
0: That's when
1: they're just excitable. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Let's move on into the comic books themselves. Jeff, tell us a little about the creators here with
2: these multi-issue multi-book arcs. There's, Just a lot of creators to mention, so we are going to just highlight the writers of the arcs and mention any other creators that stand out during our review.
1: And with this one, we've got mostly a pretty solid cast. It's going to be mostly Evan Skolnick with Dwight Cove doing one issue, issue number 73, and this is for issues 68 through 75. Uh, Penciler for all of them is Patrick Zerker, and I'm destroying these names, I know it. Inker is mostly Andrew Peppoy with Sam De La Rosa jumping in on 68. And the colorist is a mixture of Joe Rosa's At Malibu Color and Chi Wang. letter is pretty consistent with John Costanza and Tom Brevort as the editor. Brevort? Brevort. Brevort.
0: Brevort. My name is Tom Brevoort,
1: and the editor is Tom Brevoort. We're also going to be covering New Warriors Volume Two, Number One, just briefly. Uh, it's Jay Farber, Steve Scott, Walden Wong, Kevin Summers, Richard Starkings, Comicraft with Bobby Chase, and then of course uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Venom: Venom, The Hunted, which is also by Evan Skolnick. Book this time with James Califior and uh, Mark McKenna and Peter Belmiotti on inks, and the colorist is Tom Smith and Malibu. Co- Color, Litter is Jim Novak and Tom Brevoort. Now, you actually know some of these people, right, David?
0: Uh, Yes, I know several of them. I have worked with many of them. I'm still in touch with Evan and Jay and Patrick and Tom Brevoort and Bobby Chase and Brian Smith. Yeah, Jim... Yeah, so I have I've either worked with or met many of these people.
1: This is a this is kind of great that we've we've actually been talking to people who are or we've had people on here who have been real big fans who have talked to a lot of these creators. You've actually worked with them. Is there anything you want to say about about them and about the work they've done? I mean, from what we have covered so far, it's pretty solid.
0: Yeah, well, I think that you know, whenever you're balancing art and commerce, mm-hmm. uh, it's a really really tricky balance, especially uh, Marvel at the. A- during the era is, is, in that weird bankruptcy time, you know, where we're, we're really dealing with a lot of really strenuous morale issues and financial issues. But I think consistently this book, uh, even though it, it absolutely shifted tonally in order to keep it surviving and thriving in a really rocky time for the comic market. I think the storytelling here is still wonderfully consistent and, and super great. And You can definitely tell, however, that Evan Skolnick is a Star Trek fan because it shows up throughout all of his work. But he has a really great handle on the characters, and he has a really, 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 really good sense of storytelling. And I think that Evan, while not – I think Tom Brewer's first choice for for taking over this book, and I I think that that has – that's a matter of record, um, you know, really got a great handle on what this book was going to be and should be. And I think that it's really interesting to see sort of, again, that balance between art and commerce being like, you know, this is something we really want to do and this is something we can do and, and sort of that balance. So I know that not everything that Evan wanted to do made it to the page, but it's still surprisingly good storytelling that is light and fun and still deals with the themes that the New Warriors were dealing with. Not with the same gravitas that that Fabian brought to the book, but it's still some heady stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. I appreciate that because it's been interesting for us. We've been covering Power Pack a lot. I read New Warriors at the beginning. I had stopped collecting as I went to college, and I missed this part of the New Warriors run. So I was more familiar with, you know, up to about New Warriors 30 or 40. So even before Alex came on the team, and I've picked them up in the past few years, and completed the collection of them and, and read through them. And I was, for me, it was like, this is not the New lawyers I remember. And also, this is really heavy 90s stuff, which once you move away from the 90s, sometimes it's hard to get back into. So this has been very interesting for us to go through and kind of read through with more of adult eyes than reading this at the time that it came out. We've been trying to enjoy it as much as we possibly can while we're pointing out some things like, there's too many people. They're juggling too many people. They're juggling too many people. Focus on one storyline, please. But I think that you're correct that Evan did a good job of taking the storyline and trying to keep the consistency of the characters from the prior creators and the, and the prior writer and at least bringing them forward while introducing his own tone and his own storylines. And I think he, for the most part, I think he was pretty successful in that.
2: Not really. okay (laughs) it's new warriors it is a a recently introduced to me property i knew they existed but every comic i read i'm learning something new about everybody involved with it and characters in so there you are (laughs) well said
1: let's go ahead and move into this then uh first of all for this roster we have alex power firestar helix hindsight Justice, Nova, Speedball, Time Slip, and Turbo. And also, briefly, we have Chimera, Night Thrasher, and Rage. Just really quickly, there's two big arcs that we got here. The first one is what I like to call the real Speedball Shady. Will you please stand up? And that is Future Shock. And then, following that, we have the wrapping up of Loose Ends as we come to the completion of the New Warriors Volume 1 series. We'll get into all that later. For now, let's just go through and do our quick synopsis of these issues that we're covering.
0: David, take it away, sir. This is New Warriors 68. We start the issue with Kyle Grobe dying, falling through the atmosphere. Next, we see him in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. Welcome to Future Shock. In the present day, the crash pad, a game of risk, (laughs) let's say, turned out uh, not so friendly. Nova, uh, Richard Ryder, is hanging with his ex -ex ex-girlfriend laura because i guess he forgot about his one true love uh chimera the lovely namorita prentice. mikey's trying and failing to show how cool he is carlton who's a like a plus plus nerd his cells at risk is really sort of wiping the table with everybody when suddenly the Guardians of the Galaxy show up. Ooka Chaka, Ooka Chaka, Ooka, Ooka, Ooka Chaka. I am Groot. No, not 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 that team. This is the original Guardians of the Galaxy. This is Charlie 27, Martin X, Lita, Nikki, Hollywood, Major Victory, and Yondu. Hey, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> no, not that Yondu. I'm more serious and quiet and not as, uh... Michael Rooker, Southern, Walking Dead style Yandu. Anyway, uh, they're here because the timeline is like super messed up and it needs to be fixed by kidnapping Speedball. But then it all goes downhill as the new Warriors take offense to their teammate being kidnapped. I mean, Come on. Helix, uh, the guy who was kind of empowered by the carry-on virus and was murder machine and wanted to kill all the new warriors, he's there for some reason. Anyway, he attacks the Guardians and everyone starts a fight regardless of the fact that everyone says that this is a dumb fight and doesn't need to happen. It's a standard comic book fight trope then time slip jumps into a variant timeline where hindsight lied carlton is losing the game and then the sphinx shows up and the sphinx wants to kill speedball too why all the speedball hate y'all it's not like he's penance all right all right all right all right because anyway he's speedball that is uh, a recap of New Warriors 68. It is uh, a ludicrous over-the-top adventure filled with uh, over-the-top adventurousness. Um, one of the things that I really like about this uh, this issue in particular is it has this classic callback to the kind of like the X-Men play sports kind of story that I think those downtime issues really sort of uh, make a lot of fun of.
1: Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that before, but that is a good – they've got their own danger room, but – you're right. This is the real callback to the yes, X-Men who are outside playing yeah. baseball. Yeah. But the New Warriors, nah, nah, they're too cool for that. They're playing board games.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they're playing Risk. They're playing a cutthroat game of Stratego.
0: What's interesting, too, is that many of these Guardians of the Galaxy appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy vol- uh, Volume 2. Yeah, Because we had Yondu, we had Martin X, we had Nikki, we had Charlie 27, we had Alita Sorda, I think. And then Miley Cyrus was in, of all things, was also in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as, yep. uh, I think, mainframe. Yep, She um, has the voice. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> w- which is weird, because mainframe in the Marvel timeline is uh, Vision. Uh, so I was really surprised it wasn't Paul Bettany. <laughs>
2: this is for New Warriors number 69. Nice. nice. Back in 1947, some kid with a DeLorean is really lost. Oh, wait, no, my mistake. Roswell. Huh, heavy. Well, Great Scott. Weird stuff is happening with this Kyle Grobe guy as he is killing the locals and juicing himself on electricity and getting messages from his future self to go to the year 2093 because blah, 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 blah something, something. New Warriors. Right. Back to the cliffhanger from above. The Sphinx is trying his slash her best to kill Speedball, and the new warriors are trying their best to not make that happen. This includes throwing a train back and forth. It's highly ineffective. Meanwhile, there is a Xandar ship with Gareth Saul monitoring Earth, And he notices that Donnybrook is about to become an environmental disaster and decides to join in. He does so in time to siphon off some of the excess aforementioned environmental disaster energy Firestar unleashes as she goes for overkill on Sphinx. Saul decides that this is all well and good and in hand with the new warriors, leaves because his phone is ringing on a spaceship. Not making that part up, folks. Sphinx comes back, informs the warriors that this is all to fix the time stream, and slaughters Speedball leaving us with the line of, because he would have failed, as Speedy's epitaph and reason for death.
1: You were saying before how you liked the last issue, David. Uh, I think I we could all agree that we like this issue, or we hate this issue, because uh, Speedy dies, right? You know, glass
2: half full, glass half empty.
0: <laughs> we haven't really talked about this, but I do find it very interesting I wouldn't say a favored trope, but one of the things that I have noticed that Fabian tends to do in his work is do a lot of intersex, all powerful characters. So uh, Sphinx here is, is intersex. They are intersex. And it's very interesting to see in an era where they're like merging their femininity and their, Uh, masculine together as one composite character is very interesting. Uh, But you also saw the same thing when Fabian was working with, I mean, Fabian obviously didn't create this version of Evan wrote the issue, but Fabian created this, this version of the Sphinx. So it was very interesting to see this. But then when we saw Fabian move over to Thunderbolts, he had a character very similar to that Ion, which was a merger of two different characters, Atlas and I don't remember her name, but yeah, so it's very interesting. I think he did the same thing in, not DP7, in Cyforce, where he's integrating these masculine characters together as one, one character. So anyway, it's very interesting. Just thematics, uh, just looking at patterns. It's all very interesting because I love this version of Supernova Garth and Saul so much. I think he's great. I love that costume.
1: It's an interesting issue, and of course, uh, we'll probably come back to uh, speedy dying. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But for now, New Warriors number 70. And now, puppies and unicorns. No, actually, just mourning. And more death. As the team is gathered around the body of the slain speedball, a portal opens up. Some dude walks out and incinerates everyone. Except time slip. Odd choice. She uses her time warp power to pretend an escape, but starts to follow this killer. And we get some backstory, or future story. In 2092, Kyle Grobe and his son Darian found out how to use time travel, which has never, ever turned out bad for anyone ever. So stop even trying to bring that thing up. Kyle beta-tests the shell armor and the time travel machine at the same time, and starts to merge with the armor and change, surprising everyone everywhere with this unfortunate event. Darian wants to save his father, so he messes around in the kinetic dimension, downloads a speedball duplicate, and uploads his mind into his creation. Now, he drops his speedball self into the kinetic dimension during the same time as the time-and-again Sphinx adventure, and pushes the duplicated Speedball's memories and persona to the front as he pops into the end of the Sphinx fight. The upshot of all of this is that Speedball that we have been covering pretty much the entire time has been a fake. Boo. Time Slip figures this out when she had touched the dying clone. Back in the real time, whatever that means, Advent and Spider-Man are fighting. Spidey was supposed to stop a nuke from blowing up New York, but he is too late due to Advent's interference, and the world dies. Time Slip notes this and makes like a slip and slide and warps out of there. So this one, we've got backstory, right? We find out what's going on, and we find out that this hasn't been the real speedball. And I think we're going to be talking about this later on, but it's kind of interesting to uh, think about how far in the past Evan made up that decision. From this point here, or if he decided this at the beginning of the Future Shock storyline that he was going to be replacing Speedball with a clone who's been there the entire time.
0: As I understood the storyline, and it, it's been about twenty years or so since uh, since I've talked to Evan. Twenty-five years since I've talked to Evan about the storyline. But I think the idea was to bring the idea behind the storyline was to bring Speedball back to. Normalish power levels because he was one with the kinetic energy field, and he was, and then he was one with time, and so he got super overpowered. And the idea of bringing the speedball back to being his bouncy self, rather than like I am pure kinetic energy, and thus that makes me part of the time stream, and I am a just sort of went overboard. And so the idea of using this as a way to reset speedball was fascinating. One of the things I absolutely love about this issue is how the typography really sets up how messed up everything is. And that to me, I think really makes this issue a lot of fun. It feels unsettling. It feels disturbing. So there's a lot there that just really, really, really is fascinating to me. Yeah. They,
1: they do a lot with breaking the panel grids that we know and love all over the place. During the beginning there's a couple of places when the New Warriors are destroyed that it's simple four panel layout, but then from there on out we've got slants, we've got overlays, we've got bends. It's not the same panel settings that we're used to, so that that helps kind of throw the normal comic book reader off. It's a good call on that one.
0: Yeah, and I do love those warrior badges. got to say it looks great on Alex's jacket.
1: And Talk about the callback to Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It makes
2: sense to be able to have uh, some sort of communication device for your team, especially since in the New Warriors, it seems like they suffer from not everybody knowing what's going on at the same time. And not everybody being it's like not everybody lives at the crash pad. It's everybody's got their own lives and then kind of check in and out. And it's like it's nice to be able to go. There's trouble. Beep, beep come to me.
0: So so it's really interesting. I, I feel like, yes, it's very much that sort of thing. And it is kind of weird to watch them like reconstruct speedball, which is super weird. Creating that weird speedball duplicate is a uh, super creepy.
1: <laughs> you want to take over number 71 there?
0: So we start off with the Warriors Turbo, Firestar Justice and Powerhouse asking the questions of the readers are asking. Where are we? What's happening? Uh, is this not the same bat time? Is this not the same bat channel? Is this not my same bat wife? How did we get here? Thankfully a hologram of Darian Grobe gives us some of the exposition and direction. They have 7 minutes to skate or die. Wait, skate or die? this is definitely a 90s book anyway escape the timeline or die and everything in in their era is being erased in this timeline meanwhile time slip is trying to outrun a nuclear blast in new york city which i hope you know she does because i live here this is where i keep all my stuff anyway she goes back in time and replaces the fight between spider-man and advent and this time she takes out advent by beating him with a stick so that spidey can see the bomb anyway sphinx shows up the Sphinx kills the fake speedball to get Time Slip into the fight. There's a lot of wacky, timey, wimey wibbly, wobbly stuff here. Sphinx directs Time Slip to the future where the new warriors are trying to stop Advent from reaching the time machine. And it's uh, it's sort of all over the place. But the warriors follow the guidance of Dar- the Daring Grove hologram and jump into the gateway that leads into the kinetic dimension. This crazy plan that they had had uh, worked because reality and time correct themselves in the future in the present timeline. The Warriors exit with a real speedball who seems to really know what happened the last 20 issues. But it's interesting bait and switch here.
2: (laughs) It was a a great way of writing themselves kind of out of a, "Er, we said that we're going to kill speedball. Yeah, and we can keep that. We can maintain that integrity of that. It's going to happen. Speedball going to die. speedball's going to die. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's getting real close. It's getting real close. Speedball died. In fact, it was a Speedball that they knew and had adventures with. It just happened to not right. be the Speedball that was the original Speedball that they knew and had adventures with.
0: Yeah, and I do like the, the Jetsons reference. And I love that that big giant splash of Speedball coming out. Jane, get me off this crazy thing. And the weird almost Scooby-Doo-like ending.
2: Yeah. And what was fun on that, too, is that that's what the fake Speedball said when he popped out yeah. during the Time and Time right. Again storyline. So it was it was nice to see that it was like, okay, I'm going to push the Speedball persona to the front. Okay, this is the thing that Speedball would say. And when real Speedball comes out, yep, that's exactly what he says. So
1: when we were reading that comic itself, we were loving the art and the concept that the Sphinx had put Speedball into this kinetic dimension. If they're going to revisit any part, yes, revisit that one because that was Fascinating. And basing the entire storyline off of that, too, was a good choice. The, the thing I like about this issue is the first few pages were a little kind of bait and switch. You start off with doing a landscape version of the comic because the first three pages are in landscape style, which is kind of cool and a little bit jarring, especially if you're looking at the paper version. You probably don't see it on the digital version, but just being on the paper version, it is, you're having to put this over into landscape and then, as you go to about the fourth page, you're we're back to the right way up. But that also, once again, things are kind of out of sync. They're not quite in the right order. He's playing a lot with the the landscape of of the book itself.
2: I think if I remember that one in the digital versions, it was uh, it was messy pages where it was very much like, oh, it seems like they've got some pages out of order because it was like, okay, we're at this stage now somehow oh now we're jumping back okay so it seemed like they were having uh, digital problems of trying to get to that as well if i remember correctly venom the hunted numbers one through three there's a three issue miniseries called venom the hunted there are two stories running in the book the second is about hybrid or scott washington being hunted by a vigilante group known as the jury as he is captured a part of the multi-symbiote escapes and finds scott's friend dwight Dwight leaves a message with the new Warriors hotline and calls it a day. Bummer for this guy. They actually end up checking their messages. And Justice, Powerhouse, and Turbo show up at his house. The Symbiote Shard interacts with Turbo's armor and provides the ability to track Hybrid's location and then conveniently dies. The Warriors show up to where Hybrid is being inadvertently almost murdered from when they were trying to remove the symbiotes from the man and attack the jury. Unfortunately, like usual, this has been a misunderstanding because Jury realizes that they captured the wrong guy and were about to release him with their apologies. They used to know the dude from when they all were guardsmen at the vault prison. The symbiotes, though, are trying to kill Sentry because they had been tortured in the past by guardsmen. Anyway, there is a lot of backstory and it's very touching, but they are a lot of bad feelings justice tells them all to knock it off and apologize to each other get over it justice then offers hybrid a place on the new warriors because whenever he meets anyone with superpowers and a mature edgy vibe that's what justice does but hybrid refuses stating that since he is now five different beings all wrapped up in one overcoat i mean supersuit that he has enough teammates already the majority of the comic book, it was like, uh, I think they were oversized 38 page comics for the Hunted series. And the main comic was Venom being a skateboarder and being very eloquent and very, very, very verbal and talky and stuff. And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Oh, because we're trying to get to the hybrid story in the back where you know, the new warriors eventually show up. So the hybrid storyline he is an ex guardsman who had like four symbiotes dumped on him. They all bound together. They made a new symbiote guy. Hey, look, it's more symbiote stuff. Everybody loves symbiote stuff, right? Right. Everybody loves symbiotes. Wait, are you are you saying that once once you get past venom, it's you you, you could just stop? Is that what we're saying? That's what I'm saying.
0: No, no, I think that depending on how a symbiote story is told, it can be really interesting. Silver Surfer Black was a symbiote story in a way. That's and it, true. That's, it's a pretty good, interesting story. Uh, and I, is there an opportunity to tell some really good stories with the symbiotes? Yes. has and, and, King and King and Black sort of did that as well. Are the symbiotes overused and kind of blah? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I love that hybrid is Scott Washington. I think that that's really awesome. I think that that's a nice way to incorporate a character who debuted in New Warriors 26 and make it uh, relevant to uh, the New Warriors. I pretty much agree with you guys. This was... It was interesting
1: to read. I I like little symbiote stories. I do like Venom. I I kind of miss the old school Venom where he was just trying to eat Spider-Man all the time. That was fun. But... the. It's always interesting whenever they have another symbiote. And also going back to visiting something in the mid, mid to late 90s, now after we've seen so many symbiotes, it's kind of like, a ah, symbiote story. But mm-hmm. you're right. Looking at the character they brought back from New Warriors as being a touch point on it, it was a good use of the character, and I agree with that.
2: And I do like the uh, hero's journey that uh, Eddie Brock has, has gone through. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just from, you know, from origin story to you know now, where he's the king of the symbiotes, it's just kind of like he's ha- he's had an interesting road that he's tread, and some of those some of those roads have been a little potholy. But uh, <laughs> I I think he's an interesting character for the most part, especially what they've been doing with him in recent years.
1: And now, New Warrior seventy two. Okay, back to the Warrior series. Final run. Hindsight finally breaks into that secret door in the basement of the crash pad, but it is filled with Hydracell! Oh no! Well. Okay, it's a Hydra-adjacent cell anyway. Oh, no. Back up top, it turns out that Helix isn't mute. He just speaks Spanish, and Mickey is helping him learn English. During this lesson, Mickey informs Helix that she is planning to give up the turbo costume to Mikey and leave the new warriors. Helix thinks that he will leave too, as he was only sticking around because Mickey was there. Helix is a pretty smart dude on that one. Then everybody notices that their comm badges don't work. Hindsight, captured by the Hydra Group, watches all of this and gets the leader, Mother of Pearl, to reveal her awesome plans. Something, something about Mind Control Ray and stock exchange and profit and whatever. Well, about this time, the Avengers show up. They have been doing some inventory research and need to talk to one H. <coughs> Lad about some invoices and all of this equipment that is theirs. Well, the combined team of heroes go downstairs and are overwhelmed by the Hydra agents. Hindsight breaks free, bashes some guys with a chair, uses the mind control ray on Hydra, and the good guys win. The Avengers make Hindsight stand in the corner for his theft, and then they tell Justice that, you know, if you guys need the gear, all you have to do is ask. It's always good to get a good comedy episode in every now and again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This particular issue. I used to own the original art for, the black and white art. And if I remember correctly, this happened right during Heroes Were Born. And there is a little um, subsect of Hydra that is run by Mother of Pearl. And she makes a Rob Liefeld joke. (laughs) She said, we didn't rob and lie only to be felled for this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is very interesting because it's interesting for twofold. One, I, I used to own the cover of this. And then, you know, the Hydra wannabes where this is supposed to be like a Marvel Heroes Reborn joke. I love this in that that Avengers accountant later shows up again in, I think, Kurt Busiek's run of the Avengers. I want this guy to show up more.
1: Yeah,
2: he cracks me up. I love the fact you can tell by looking at him, too, that it was like he probably used to be a happier, healthier, fitter person. And now he's just like, what kind of space station did Iron Man build this time? Oh, you want to deduct it? Whatever. Sure. Fine. I'm I'm going to eat a pizza. I don't uh, coat doesn't fit. (laughs) Ah.
1: He was a bright ma- bright young man from an Ivy League school. He got this sweet gig working for the agenda- Avengers, and then everything went downhill. Yeah. <laughs>
2: downhill. <laughs> like, Thor wants to make his hammer and a pendant. I don't know how this works.
1: It's a hammer.
2: Yeah, I like this My guy. My
0: favorite is... The drawing of Quicksilver, that he, the the picture of Quicksilver he has on his desk, it's just all blurred. Yeah. <laughs> it was Quicksilver's autograph. <laughs> anyway, this is a great issue. I, yeah. I absolutely love this issue. I like the fact that uh,
2: Hindsight really shines in it. Uh, I think it's great. I know you do not <laughs> like Hindsight Lad, and I'm glad that he changed his name to Hindsight. But uh, I like the character. I think he's very earnest. He's a, he's a normal person that wants to be a hero, and he happened to seem to have talked his way by being immensely useful onto a team of new warriors. And, okay, in your basement is a giant vault door. What does it lead to? I don't know. We should poke at that from time to time. And just one guy is like, I'm going to keep poking at that until I get it open. And I did. Oh, wow. There's an entire terrorist cell living down in our basement. I didn't know that. (laughs) So that's been spying on us all this time. I like it when the normal human, just the everyday, I like it when the Mary Jane picks up a chair and knocks out the bad guy with it. And hindsight really saved the day with a chair swing. You know, it's like he gadgeted his way out. He talked, talked them into exposing their nefarious plans and then was so like, they're like, I guess this is just a kid. We don't have to worry about him at all. And he's like, aha, I'm a kid with a chair and he became useful. You know, he saved the day. I really like that.
1: We'll get to, we'll talk about it more with, with my love of of hindsight lab,
0: (laughs) but for now, uh, we're new warrior 73. This is one of my favorite issues of the Evan Skolnick run. For lots of reasons. I'll, I'll get to it. But anyway, more changes are coming for the new Warriors. Dan Jones, the son of the original owner of the turbo suit, back when it was called the torpedo suit, uh, has shown up and told Mikey that he wants it back. And he is very demanding about this. Mikey contacts Mickey, who thinks this is tricky and uh, sort of a weird situation, let's so to say. They think the new Warriors should get involved with this. Speaking of getting involved, Night Thrash and Rage decide to bring do something about Namorita slash Chimera and back at the crash pad, people are crashing because that's what they do. Anyway, Mickey tells the team that she's leaving. She tells them about Dan Jones. She was always sort of a reluctant superhero and never really wanted to be in the game so much. To add more to the story, Garth and Saul is hovering above the earth and he's getting some mysterious data that he isn't too keen to talk about on an unsecured line. Okay. So, Got that. So back at the crash pad, we get the history of turbo, or as she was as it was originally called the torpedo armor. It was built to build be the ultimate combat armor to battle the dire race. Anyway, the suit ended up with Brock Jones. Brock worked with Rom, the Space Knight who modified it. Anyway, uh, Brock died, I think it was in Rom 50, and the suit went missing until Mickey found it in the box in the attic and let Mikey use it for a Halloween costume. It all seems like this Dan Jones guy is legit. So Justice wants to offer him a spot on the team as the new turbo. Seeing that his dreams of being a superhero are being taken away from him, Mikey gets permission from Justice to go for one last turbo flight to deliver the armor to Dan Jones. Mikey puts on the suit to take it to him. And then the horror of horrors happens. The suit changes in undreamed of ways for Mikey as it expands. Vlox, you remember Vlox, right? From uh, New Warriors number 60. Dire Wraith Mother from uh, several episodes back. Uh, really wanted to get her hands on the turbo. ever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She's uh, taking it. She's got it. And she, previously, she was only using a fraction of his power but now that she's wearing the armor, she's about to do some big, bad, naughty things. And Thinker is up to some weird kinky dinky stuff. That is where we are with this issue. It, this is an incredibly fun issue. This is one of my favorites. Absolutely love, I uh, absolutely have a crush on Mike's sister with the Smashing <laughs> pumpkin shirt. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's totally my jam. I want to talk about two things here in this issue. There's a scene where Dan Jones, just talking on the phone, uh, or Mikey is talking on the phone to the new warriors and there's all this ooze that ooze was supposed to be reminiscent of the fact that uh, Mike had been taken over by the dire race so which I thought was really interesting nice I hadn't picked up on that and this issue is why I ended up using the dire race and dark star in the winter guard Ooh. okay so um, for people who don't know I wrote a dark star in the winter guard miniseries and we we ended up using the dire race in there because I'm a big rom fan
1: Yeah, the Dire Race and Rom are interesting characters. This is all, and and we're going to start getting to this in the next couple of issues with the throwbacks to Chris Claremont's run on the X-Men. Forge making a neuralizer gun that was supposed to be to fight the Dire Race. But it also would steal powers, and that's how we get to Storm losing her powers, and she's unpowered mutant for a long run when she leads the X-Men. Yep. This all kind of goes back to a lot of other stuff, too. It's a real great callback to a great series of books and a great characters. There's a lot of love that people have for Rom the Space Knight and The Dire Race. The comic book was more successful than The toy. There's a lot of good stuff in here. I love this, be- just for getting the backstory on the turbo armor and how Mickey got it. I mean, we- yeah, it- it's it's nice seeing the history of the armor as well as, you know, the the, the Halloween party that they're that they're at and she's wearing the costume and how she's uncomfortable in the costume. It's skin tight.
2: It's funny because she's kind of covering herself, which is fully understandable because it's like, you put me in a skimpy superhero Bimbet costume. And he's, he's like, what,
0: are you cold? And she's yeah. like, no, you'd know if I was cold in this costume. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that. So it's the scene where Mikey is talking yeah. in the kitchen. He's sitting in the kitchen and there's a big pile of ooze right by that banana in the lower left hand corner. That was supposed to be a little visual cue that Mike had been taken over by. That's like a little visual signifier that uh, Mike had been taken yeah. over. Okay. It blends
2: in. I, I even noticed that, but I didn't pay attention to it because it just looks like a melted popsicle or a puddin' pop or anything kind of thing. It's just like, no, nah, it's just, I don't know what that is. That's just stuff that was on the table. It used to be in a bowl.
1: Also looking back at this too. He's a little angry. He's holding the phone cord very tightly. There's a lot of little clues that are there. Once you know it, that's nice. That's
0: good. He's <laughs> like, no, no, we need the we need the suit on. It only works when it's activated. Nice, yeah.
2: nice. New Warrior number seventy four. Okay, Volks is mopping the floor with the New Warriors, mocking Mickey about her now dead friend Mikey, and using the Turbo Armor at its apex level. And then, and then, Volks escapes and steals Friday. Well. I never! Displaying manners such as these is why we speak so disparagingly about the Dire Wraith generation. Meanwhile in space, Garth and Saul is eating popcorn while watching all of this occur. And then he finally decides that, you know, eh, he could help. But before he does, we have to check in on Protocol at his secret sub, which is... Not so secret now, because Night Thrasher and Rage are on the scene. After a torpedo attack that stunlocks all of the Cyberlink members of the uh, Protocol or Undertow crew, the two ex-warriors enter, find Chimera, and inject her with an anti-mind control vaccine. Okay, to be honest, it wasn't a vaccine, but I just wanted to stress that vaccines work and are super effective. The now non-stunlocked Protocol attacks them, but they manage to escape with their friend, leaving behind the also previously captured Sparrow. Not because they have no love for Captain Jack, but because they have no love from the bird from Air Force. Original name. By now, Garth and Saul has gathered the new warriors onto his ship. All the heroes find out that Volks has stolen the Neo-Neutralizer, a big gun that will send the diaries to limbo, and can also take away a human superpower. Yeah, this is a deep pull from both Rom and the X-Men.
1: Like we said before, this one is where we really get that deep pull from Rom and X-Men. I'm going to say that this may be the one issue that I find a little weak. And this is the reason why. This feels like they start to really tie up a lot of loose ends real fast. Yeah. I think they do it well. It's just you start to really feel that there's a bit of a pressure. A couple more issues to wrap up all the storylines. So this is kind of the issue where they're... Well, Good thing Night Thresher and Rage are that good, because they can save Namorita where nobody else has been able to. Namorita's back. Not a problem. Let's move on.
2: No, there was a timer. They were uh, they were on the clock. They had it was this issue and the next one, so they had, you know, at least had the time to be able to go like, okay, we can insert a rescue mm. and we can also say and we'll come back for the other one later.
0: What what are your thoughts, David? I actually really like this issue. I also used it on the last the last page of this issue because it had ROM. It had that little cameo of ROM. Two things about it that I find really fascinating. One, it's the one of the few issues where the logo of the book is at the bottom. So it makes for really, really interesting visual. I think that this issue gets us to where we need to go to set up the double sized final issue.
1: I can agree with that. I kind of wish that they had waited one more issue to really change up the cover, you know, and put the new warriors on the bottom. Because looking at these, you know, one on top of the other with all the all the books, this one stands out. And then there's the last one. I think it would have been a lot more impactful if they had done this altered cover design on the last issue. That's where it really would have hit a little bit stronger. It feels like something is just a little off with it being the one before.
2: I also understand why they uh, put it why, why it's in this one is because they're going back to the deep. Things are at their darkest. They're at their depths. Also, they're going into the the whale sub and everything, and they're they're in the depths of the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they're going they're digging back into the depths of their their own run to try and like tie up issues. So I get it. I get why they. Yeah, did it, that. it
1: makes sense where it's at. It's just
0: I, I the cover stands out a lot. I just. I'm being picky on it. I do want to say I really, uh, really respect what Jeff said is that literally in this issue, the New Warriors are at their depths. And I think that that is a nice little metaphor here.
1: I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Let me go ahead and talk about New Warriors number 75. This is the end, the final end, my friends. And no, I won't sing. And so we start where we began with the mad thinker being all creepy and lurky with them. Yes, he has calculated that they would all end up here, at his secret base. Now. And this is why he has given them info to rescue Namorita. This has been his plan all along. Which is why Night Thrasher, Rage, and Namorita show up to talk to him. Meanwhile, the other warriors, with Garth and Saul have broken up into four teams and are chasing the Friday-stealing Vulks in space. After some scenes inside each ship where we revisit certain long-standing character beats like Vance and Angelica planning marriage, and Mickey fretting about being a hero, and Alex thinking about paint drying, we go back to the thinker. He has been looking for a way to cure or help train his nephew David, who developed uncontrollable powers after getting too close to one of his experiments. He had hoped that the new warriors would be that team. But now he thinks that the nullifier gun will work, so he tells the trio how to join and help the other new warriors on their hunt. Back in space, the warriors find Valks. Garth on Sol and the rest of the new warriors have just finished rewatching Speed and learned that the best way to deal with a hostage scenario is to shoot the hostage. That hostage being Friday. And so they do that. And Friday is destroyed. <sighs> which slows, but does not stop Volks from completing her mission. The final battle is going poorly for the Warriors until Thrash, Rage, and Neymarita show up. This turns the tide, and Garth and Saul absorb some of Volks's energy, which burns him out and kills him, but not before he passes the Nova Power back to Rich. Okay, so wait, Rich gets to be a superhero and Friday is destroyed? That is no fair. While this has been happening, the Neo Neutralizer device goes off, but at a lower level thanks to Time Slip. It still depowers the team enough that it looks like Volks will win, until Thrasher executes her with a blade to the neck. Knives to the face, my one and only weakness. She cries as she turns into dust. Well, the dust part is at least true. The wrap-up is that Nova and Namorita are back together, which will be fun to explain to Rich's now XX ex-girlfriend. Time slip may have lost her powers, but she thinks that Speedball is cute. Mickey is going back to being a hero, and Carlton may share the turbo armor with her since Mikey is dead. Friday's spark is still alive, and Alex thinks that maybe being a new warrior isn't as cool as being a member of Power Pack, mostly because these guys break all of his cool toys. The Neo-Neutralizer may have enough juice to help the Thinker's nephew be a real boy again, and Nova and Thrasher make up, but they don't kiss. The team mugs to the camera DreamWorks style in the end credits roll, declaring that this is definitely not the end. The end. So, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that wrapped it up. That wrapped it up. Now, David, you were a big fan from the beginning. How did this work for you as a way for this series to end?
0: Well, I think the most important lesson here is that humans don't need superpowers to make a difference. And that, I think, is really critical to the underlying theme of what the New Warriors is all about. You know, this was a social justice warriors book before there were social justice warriors books, it was really about where the rubber meets the road in terms of idealism versus realism. You can have the ideas that you want to change the world, but it does come with really powerful consequences. And I think that it really is set in stone here in terms of Pyrrhic victories. Being a grown up and and becoming a young adult is about loss. It's about grief. It's about love. It's about romance. It's about Some really, really harrowing adventures. And I think that ultimately, wherein this book succeeds is really codifying that. And and that it's the original team is great. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the six core members all back together. I think that that is is really important. And in and of itself, I think this is a a nice recap to uh, or end cap to the run. And this issue came out right around the finale of Murder, She Wrote. I remember because they were talking about Evan spoiled what the title of this episode was right right when the Murder, She Wrote finale came out. So I thought that that was really fitting. I, I really loved it. I love the diaries. Roms were some of the very first comics I collected. And like I said, I put the diaries in the Dark Star and the Winter Guard book, largely because of uh, this storyline.
1: I, I do like this issue. I like this issue a lot. Don't like the fact that they killed Friday. We got issues with that one. But that's because we're Power Pack fans, and we're Power Pack... Yeah, we're very biased on that one.
2: And to do it just so nonchalantly, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: Friday deserves a lot better than that. That being said, this is a good issue. I, I love the cover, simply for the fact that it is a real good callback to the first issue. Uh, it's, it's a good homage to that. We've got a good team shot at the end. We've got the wrapping up of a lot of different storylines and the cleaning up of things, resetting the stage, and getting everybody in a position where it was conceivable that you could actually pick up a Volume 2 and start it off with the same team. They've proved themselves, they're back together as a team, as a family. It would have been nice to see where the next step of this would have gone, but instead they kind of broke them up. But we're not done yet. we got one more thing to talk about. David, do you want to tell us a little bit about the last intersection
0: between Power Pack and the New Warriors? Between these issues... There's Ultra Girl 1 through 3. Uh, and even though it has nothing to do with Power Pack, it was a, mm-hmm. that was, as a New Warriors fan, that was kind of like, oh my goodness, the New Warriors show up in Ultra Girl. This is the best <laughs> thing ever. Uh, and then, you know, three years later, I was on staff when this uh, New Warriors volume two, number one came out. Oh, and, and then there was the Eric Larson Nova series. Both of those are important because, and, and then we had actually the Kurt Busiek and George Perez Avengers run. So all those sort of set the stage for where we are. So we had the new warriors in ultra girl one through three, we had Avengers one through four with justice and firestar and rage and Darkhawk as members and whatever. And then we had Nova. Uh, I think the first couple of issues of, of Nova had just come out. So in that, Night Thrasher had gone to go work for the Stark Foundation, I think, in an internship. Uh, Nemorida's skin was all cracky and weird, and uh, yeah, the New Warriors were more or less disbanded. So, in uh, New Warriors Volume Two, Number One, Speedball is sad that the New Warriors are no more. So that's kind of you know disappointing for him. So he tries to reform the team with all of its prior members. Uh, after failing to get the old band back, Speedball is forced to try Powerhouse, who declines. He explains that his siblings always got mad whenever he borrowed their powers. It led to so much constant fighting that they were forced all to see a child psychologist. Apparently, Alex has forgiven his former teammates for destroying Friday, but he's not interested in playing with them again. Katie shows up. She's extremely interested in joining, but is turned down by Speedball, which is terrible because Katie is the best member of Power Pack. Yeah, that's what we all say. I actually really, really... Enjoy this issue. It's some fun Steve Scott artwork that is fantastic. Steve Scott at the time, I think, was a volunteer firefighter. So he was a volunteer firefighter while drawing the New Warriors, which I thought was really cool. So ultimately, a lot of fun. We, uh, I think, Blastar was the main villain that they fought, which is kind of a nice little nod to Terax being the first villain that New Warriors fought. So that brings us to the end of New Warriors volume. What's interesting on that too,
2: uh, with him being the volunteer firefighter, is that Turbo uh, ends up fighting two different fires, and even says in that she's like, "If I fight any more fires, I'm going to have to like see about becoming a firefighter or something." Isn't that great?
1: (laughs) It's the nice little things that they get put in that are fun. No, I, I like this a lot too. I. I mostly just saw it just because of the of the nice power pack intro and the nice part with Katie. With Katie getting dissed by by Speedball, which is just not cool. Just not cool at all.
2: Yeah. Well, it, she was way too young for him to want her on the team because it's Speedball. But it was funny later when everyone that he's gone to from the from the New Warriors, uh, he's like, Hey, put the band back together. And they're all, N-n-n-no. no. And he's just in the crash pad by himself. And he's like... Where did I put Katie Powers' phone number at? Maybe I should call her back because I thought it was interesting in this too that where Speedball was like, "Are you still mad at us because we we broke Friday?" and he's like, "No, I've moved on." You know, and he's even floating in a very Zen way with his uh, you know, like zero G. But it also kind of looks like he's got the rainbow power as well, the light speed power. But he's just like, "No, I've forgiven you guys on that. It's just the aspect that." Yeah, you know, There was so much conflict with my family that I don't need to do that again. Also, there was the aspect that New Order's constantly shelled Alex all the mm-hmm. time, just constantly shelled him. And then when they're like, oh, we don't have any transport, he's like, well, wait a minute, I do have a spaceship. And they get it, and Rich Rider immediately just takes takes it and goes like, well, I guess this is my ship now, and then breaks it as hard as he can humanly break it.
1: Friday shows up to be a transport that gets broken, to do some scientific research, and then gets stolen. Mm-hmm. Friday gets used more than Alex, which I didn't think was going to be possible.
2: But treated worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just frustrating, because especially where it's just like, you know, they're even talking, they're just like, look, this is just a ship. There, you know, it, there's a device on board that's going to destroy the world. And it's like, no, you, it's my friend. And they're like, it's an inanimate object. He's like, no, it's my friend. And I do like the fact that Alex was... Finally, stepping up and like, no, you can't hurt my friend, and actually trying to interfere with you know, his his cool older older buddy teammates that he got to hang around with, and be like, no, you, you, this isn't right. You can't do this. We're kind
1: of diving right into Power Pack moments, so let's do the Power Pack moments first. You know, we've already talked a lot about Katie wanting to be a new warrior, which that would have been cool. I think Katie would have been an excellent addition to the team, and I don't think there were, I don't think there would have been anything wrong with having a younger member on the team, especially with somebody like Katie. You know, she's. Hung out with Wolverine. Come on, give the girl a chance. I think it would have been an interesting dynamic, and I think it would have been fun to see how that would have played out. You probably read more of this volume, too. What would you have thought, David, about having
0: Energizer on the team of New Warriors? Well, I love Katie, and I think that Katie would have been great. I think that the only character that may have been better than Katie would have been Squirrel Girl. Uh, who had not broken out at that point, but I think that she would have been a lot of fun. And I do actually really like that uh, Julie, and I know that Julie's not the same as Katie, but I do love that Turbo and Phil Urich, who is the Green Goblin, who almost, I think, joined the New Warriors there for a minute, and uh, Ricochet from Slingers. And I like how these characters were uh, showed up in The Loners for a little yep. while there. I thought that that was kind of a nice little neat nod
1: we're planning on covering the loners uh, a little ways down down the way. We've got a few more issues to get through before we get to loners, but yeah, I'm looking forward to re- going into those again. I thought the new warriors
0: connection mm-hmm. there was pretty solid, especially since that group was founded by Rick Jones, which was <laughs> kind of super weird. I would have loved Katie on that team. I think she would've been a really good member. I think what's really interesting about the new warriors is I think you need a Power Pack member. I mean, Power Pack is its mm-hmm. great own team. It's sort of like when you have the thing on the Avengers or Reed Richards or uh, the Invisible Woman on the Avengers. It's like they're kind of nice little subset of teams, which I think is kind of cool. Or putting Dagger and Cloak on the New Warriors. I, I like it as a thing. Like, hey, we're the Teen brigade or whatever. You, you know, I'm like, I would have loved to seen Katie on it. I like Alex a lot. Don't get me wrong. I think Alex is great. He's really trying to age himself up a bit. He's super powerful, right? But he's he's really kind of fronting. He's really like throwing a team mm-hmm. into a kegger.
2: Yeah, very much so. There was even a thing when they were playing uh, Risk, and Alex is like, hey, I'm sorry, but you know, my cards came up, and I got to attack you here and stuff. And this is the only time that I thought like Rich actually was decent, where he's like, Alex, you got to stop apologizing to us for everything. You are a new warrior. You're a member of the team. You are our friend. We want you to be here. Also, there's the aspect that uh, you're probably the most powerful member on the team. Just own
1: that. And and we, we've talked about this before, but having Alex, which Alex is okay. He can tend to be a little bit plain, a little bit vanilla sometimes. The other members of Power Pack seem to have their own real personalities, and they can own their powers really well as well. Uh, Jack has shown a lot of promise in He, whenever he got whatever power was, he would use it much better than Alex and you'd use it, get it right after Alex had it. And he's like, this is how you actually use this power. I can use it. Well, you can't. Julie also has taken powers that Alex thought were lame. And she's like, well, but I can do this and I can do this and I, I can make the power even better. And and Katie's got that natural death defying kid logic of just like, I can do anything. (laughs) And she's not afraid (laughs) to try things. So having, having that aspect is also good we will see power pack interact with other teams we see julian loners and then julian young avengers and then you know we we see alex uh as part of the future foundation so they do interact they they put power power pack in with these other teams just recently i saw a couple of cameos of of power pack with champions which i thought was nice and i'd like to see more of that interaction in the future This was a nice usage of the property, at least. At least they kept Power Pack somewhat in the mindset of people so that they could keep on using it or doing things with it after this. They didn't need to kill Friday. (laughs) It's
2: true, but they also. But they almost killed Friday. Friday did survive did. in the most minorest of ways possible. She, yeah, she figured she had about a 0.6% chance of surviving or something, and she made it. <laughs> so she gets to stick around and, and exist and be forgotten about and stuffed into the uh, bottom of a river again in the future. So
1: We've gone through most of the things that I was going to talk about as far as themes of the storyline. Uh, we did talk about speedball who's not speedball, but he is speedball. We started off talking about how much time travel sucks. Uh, New Warriors, I think we might have talked about this before we started recording, but the New Warriors have used time travel, I think you, David, you counted four times? Three. Three, three big ways. Three wings. Two of them in the last 25 issues. So, time travel is a plot device that can get used and overused sometimes. See X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about Time Slip's powers? Is it too much or is it just interesting enough? David, what do you think?
0: I think the Time Slip exists in a really, really interesting space. And I mean that uh, not in a weird Time Space, timey-wimey kind of way. New Warriors at the time, I think, was Marvel's most culturally diverse series in terms of how it really reflected a range of characters and their lives. And it wasn't as LGBT forward as maybe it needed to be, but it still had a lot of really, really great powerful moments that I think really worked well in terms of cultural diversity. I love time slip. I love Rena. I think she's fantastic. Her powers were a little nebulous in terms of how much she was able to go back and forth in time. I love that she has premonitions. I love that she can sort of do like a speed walk run thing through time. And I love that her powers are are different than say quicksilver's for instance. So in a way uh, I think she's great. One of the things that I wish she had a little bit more of was confidence in how her powers were used. You know, so she comes in being like, I don't know, like, because she's introduced only a couple issues down. I mean, a couple issues earlier. And I I do wish that I, uh, I do wish that her powers were she was a little bit more confident in her power use before the end of the series, because I think that would have set her off in some really good spaces. And I do wish that we had seen more of her. She's shown up in a couple issues of X-Men, but I do wish we had seen more of her because, again, A New Warriors was... In, in so many ways, like just a very rich. I mean, it's still very white, but uh, but even even then, it's still. You've got Helix. You have Sill. You have Bandit. You have Night Thrasher. You have Cloak. You have Rage. You have Rena. You and, also had Ty some, oh, as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you had Tie well, yeah, and Cord, mm-hmm. I guess, as as sort of support members. Turbo, Mickey is uh, Japanese. Turbo, yeah. Turbo is a fantastic example. Right. So there are so many, there's a really nice range of of characters there that I think were incredibly prominent and I absolutely would love to see more of. And I do think with every subsequent reboot, we've lost more and more of the tenor. It's sort of like a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox in terms of the new warriors and their mission and their content and what drives them. But it is it is. Anyway, I'm off on the tangent. I love time slip.
2: I like time slip a lot. I understand what David was talking about with her. Uh, It would have been nice if she was more into her powers and, like, had mastered them by now. But I also understand whether they're, like, we're introducing yet another new character, but this one has just come into their powers and is still trying to figure him out. That also lets them kind of, you know, storytelling why. the writer can then just go and then time slip can do this thing which we need but i I, but i do agree it would have been nicer if she had been in more mastery of her powers because i think it would have had more of an impact on the end of this where since she was really close to the uh, neo neutralizer device where everybody else after like an hour or so we're like oh we're getting our powers back ah stupid powers come on back quicker where she's like my powers are nothing right now i might have lost them Mm -hmm. and it it seemed like there was no weight to that other than like oh the new girl uh isn't is lost
1: her powers but she just kind of got them so we got a lot of characters at the end here we got a lot of characters we got a lot of storylines coming up like i said too there's part i like the ending of this but there are parts of it that just felt a little rushed. I think that I, I don't know how much time they had to finish up the ending that they wanted to finish up, and so they were just trying to tie things up mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. But I think they did a good job. I think they managed to catch all the balls in the air, but with just one more book, they probably could have smooth smoothed a lot of things out and probably had a good send-off for each of the characters. I am
2: just... Massively happy that they didn't end the series with the uh, trope that I absolutely hate, which is the—you know—it's less of an ending and more of a new beginning. I hate that, and they didn't do that here. <laughs> they did at the end say, "This is definitely not the end," where it's like, "Well, okay, sure, yeah, but yeah, it's, kind, it's, it's kind also of the end. Yeah, it's, it's issue." So.
1: As we end this up, we need to do a few more things. And we're going to start off with our warrior wonderings. We need to talk about some of the things we absolutely loved or thought were kind of fun or whatever in these books that we covered. So we're going to start off with cover time. We have a lot of issues that we looked at. We've got a lot of cool covers. And we need to find out what cover each of us really, really like. So, David, why don't we start with you? Which was your favorite cover
0: of these books that we read? A 72, but only because uh, I used to have (laughs) missed that cover so much. And I think that that's a really, really fun book. I I think that, yes, 72 is great. Turbo's front and center. I think that that is, of the issues we covered, probably my favorite. I can go with you on this completely.
1: I dig this cover. cover. I think that Turbo looks fantastic in it. And having the Avengers coming in from all sides, chef's kiss, chef's kiss.
0: (laughs) 75 is good. I mean, it's a good final issue cover, but 72, I think, is a better cover compositionally. 72 was, was I, I was kind of going between 72 and the
1: one you just mentioned, 75. I ended up going with 75. I liked the callback and nostalgia from the first issue. That's why 75 hit it out for me. And, and on this one that we're talking about, 75, it's... The New Warriors, the original six New Warriors, sitting on, are standing on the edge of a building. And you got Nova front and center with his arms shaking up in the air. And behind him, you've got uh, Night Thrasher and Rage. And behind them, hidden a little bit, is Firestar and Justice. And off to the other side, you got Namorita and Speedball. Just Speedball with his silly, silly smile there.
2: If you're not Night Thrasher and Nova or Rage, you're kind of an armpit person in the picture, really.
1: So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Nova's... And Nova's the kind of guy who says, smell my armpit. You know, that's... that's, that's smell what does.
2: my pit. I picked 75 as well. That was... I, I really like that. It's a... Uh, seventy-two. Great looking issue. Great looking cover. I like Turbo. I like Turbo a lot. I think it is an awesome design. I think the uh, character is interesting and the cover looks really great. I almost think that the Avengers in the background detracts from the cover. Just personal opinion. But that was a, the Turbo cover. Really good cover. But also, yeah, my favorite. I liked seventy-five. I thought it looked really good. It's New Warriors triumphant and uh, they they put some work into the cover. It looks good.
1: Let's talk about some other art that we liked. Awesome art. What piece of art? in this arc, kicked you in the teeth. Jeff, you like jokes. What is your top joke art in this series?
2: Well, my favorite jokey one is in New Warriors, number 68, on page nine, and I call it the Carlton Click. And this is after he's winning the game of Risk, and he's just superimposed over some other panels, and he's doing the big old hop-up uh, heel click. And I Absolutely love that. I thought it was hilarious and ridiculous and also just really, really neat. It just cracks me up because he's over three different panels. Just enjoy. He's just so, so happy. And I get that because he's kind of, you know, it's the, he's the put upon man in the chair, the everybody that's with this group of super beings. And it just goes to show not everybody is going to win at everything. Some people might be able to fly and some people might be able to roll dice really good. So Carlton happens to roll dice good for, uh, playing some risk
1: oh, all right all right all right we'll accept it that's a carlton one but that's okay uh david do you have a funny joke one a joke piece of art that you found in these books
0: i really like the speedball jane get me off this crazy thing i think that that's a lot of fun i think that's a great picture of speedball bursting through the fourth wall as it were and then mother pearl saying we uh didn't rob and lie only to be felt for this i think that those tie for first for me I'll look up
1: that 72, the one that you're talking about for 72 later, but for the 71 where you got Speedball jumping out, it is a beautiful picture, and I, I do like the uh, comedy stylings of one Mr. Speedball. Yes, I would agree with that. For me, I actually went on to 72, and it wasn't the one thing you pointed out, although I do like that picture of Quicksilver running the blur of Quicksilver. I did think that was pretty funny. Uh, but for mine was on 72 and it was pretty much near the end of the our middle of the book where the Avengers show up and there's a scene at the bottom where Black Widow is handing over an invoice. And basically it's the Avengers coming in and saying, "You've been served." It just there's something about this where you've got like the the gravitas of the new warriors coming in and like, "We are coming here to talk about paperwork." For me, that was funny. I don't know why. It just was it, the, the serious look of Black Widow, who's an assassin, coming there with a a bill. It just seemed ridiculous. <laughs> we want to talk about
2: some invoice inconsistencies. Hmm.
1: Can't can't you just shoot me? That'd be that'd be a lot easier. I'd appreciate <laughs> if you just shot me. That'd be great. So let's go ahead and talk about the top best art. What was the top piece of art that you found in the book? We'll go ahead and start with David.
0: Well, I mean, I I really love that last page of 75, where it's the whole team. I don't think that sums up everything really, really well. Sort of very reminiscent of the Richard Pace for issue 51
1: yeah i agree i was thinking about that too we, we had talked about that the the issue 51 cover where they're all crammed on there and it almost feels like that because you've got so many people in that in that one panel here and it's it's not as many as on that one cover but it's pretty darn close and they fill up all of the space in there and it's it's a nice team shot it's a nice reminiscence of where we're at now we are family we're all together it's crowded but it's not crowded it's it's nice. I like that one too. That, that's a that's a very good one. Jeff, what about you?
2: Same. Yeah, it was the last page. I called it uh, one last mug to the camera, DreamWorks style. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's, it, it's good. You know, there is mugging. It's what's interesting on it to me as well is in the top right hand corner. Alex, who has even you know just a couple of panels before, said like, yeah, I don't think I want to be a new warrior anymore. I don't like how you, my words, I don't like how you play together.
0: (laughs) I was distracted. I was reading the letters page and it was like where it says Dan Slott, former writer of Ren and Stimpy of the, and the never to be seen warriors inventory issue. I've read that inventory issue and it has Namorita and the team uh, playing cards while Nova, Fights Firebug on his way to go see a like a a new Wesley Snipes movie. But anyway, I think it's really funny that it's like in there. I was like, oh yeah, that's anyway. I was distracted by the reminiscence.
1: <laughs> I chose from '68 what I call ch- 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 Cherry Bomb, and it's another team that's busting onto the scene, and it's the Guardians of the Galaxy. I liked their entrance. I was a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy back in the day. And I think just them coming in all 90s up is just <laughs> a pretty awesome, awesome picture. So I just I wouldn't mention that. Let's move on to Extreme Moment. What was the best moment in this arc? What was the top moment that we had? I'll start off really quickly. I'm going to say that issue 68, Speedball getting whacked, and yes, I put it that way, that was for me one of the most extreme moments in this arc. Just reading through it, and I was a fan of Speedball. I collected the original series, and then just seeing that, it's like, ah, wait, they killed him. It was a, a different thing. And he was also the fun loving one in the group, too. You know, it's unexpected, and it's it's not really what you, you think is going to happen, especially since they spent the last couple issues trying to save him. So that, for me, was the most extreme moment. David, what was
0: yours? I think, for me, the most extreme moment is probably where Night Thrasher uh – Kills the Diary queen. Uh, the, the blade to the back yeah, of the neck. Yeah, just reiterate so much of what I really believe is we humans don't need superpowers to make a difference. That is that is literally, I think for me, the epitome of what uh, makes this run so good. Having a lot of
1: money and training your body to be ultra perfect does help in the absence of superpowers, though.
2: I think what he's trying to say is one good man with a knife can.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> but I don't know how to finish the sentence.
2: (laughs) If you're not the one who, if you're the one who didn't bring a knife to a dialogue, you
0: know, what's really interesting too, is how they're able to wrap up the mad thinker story from issue three, all the way down here. Mm-hmm. I, and I know we didn't bring that up, but that's a fantastic tie-in because we saw Mad Thinker in issue three, we saw him in issue 51, and now we see him in issue 73 through 75. I really do love that that was sort of brought through a through line. The Mad Thinker as being
1: the puppet master that's playing the New Warriors and pushing the New Warriors and making sure that they've got the right information or the right intel or the right nudge in the right direction and, and making sure that they're getting the right team together too so that he can save a family member.
2: They address that too, where I think Neymarito is like, okay, why do you keep helping us? You're a supervillain. He's like, yes, I am a, as you would call me, your vernacular supervillain, but yeah, I have a family too. I'm going to do, I'm not bad all the time. I'm here to do a good thing. Even though it sounds like he was trying to teach his nephew, the family, you know, family supervillainy, uh, trade but you know
1: you you gotta pass it on it's it's it's, yeah yeah, you gotta pass it on what is your most extreme moment jeff
2: it was about a three-page just little story beat kind of thing that i really liked and it was rich and vance at the gym working out oh yeah yeah you know it was just this simple little thing and i absolutely loved it because it was just you know we talk about this a lot where we like the little slice of life the little outside of the tights thing and you know it's just like rich who doesn't have superpowers anymore vance who does have superpowers and you know, rich is like hey I don't want to see you cheating. No TK. I know you could pick up every weight in this gym with your mind, but that's not going to help you fill out your spandex well. Yeah. You know, if you're a superhero, maybe you kind of have to, you know, it's like, yeah, I kind of have to get in line. Yeah. I kind of have to, I have to look good. I got to, I got to fill the suit nicely. And I like that aspect of seeing where it's just like, it's not all natural. It's not all just like I was bitten by a spider and now look at me. Mm. God, I'm sexy. I like the aspect where it's like, yeah, you got to work at it too.
1: Yeah, I I like it. I can respect it. And I should be there myself. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about who's sitting at the table. There's lots of new warriors. We got more new warriors in this issue as well, even though we have two people that died. We still have the same number of new warriors, if not more. But still, their table is only so big. So who gets the best, gets the really nice, comfy chair, and who gets to stand in the corner and look ashamed? So we always start off with the worst warrior. And I've got a feeling I might know David's worst warrior because he might have let it slip already. But David, go ahead and hit us who you think the worst warrior in this run is.
0: I want you to guess who you think my worst warrior is. Speedball two. Ah oh, <laughs> Speedball two, it, I don't count him as a new warrior. That's how much I detest him. He doesn't really count. He wasn't initiated. He was an imposter. Okay. It's like saying Elijah was a member of the Fantastic Four. Okay. Elijah the laser cyst You know, like when you're when you're an imposter it doesn't count. Speedball two is so bad, he does not count. Okay, all right. The person who sits in the corner is Mikey.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, Mikey failed. He got eaten by a, a dire wraith, and so, yeah.
2: <laughs> he also didn't make a very good impression on the team during uh, Risk Night. No. Where he, like, right. sp- spilled soda on to uh, Rich Ryder's ex-ex-girlfriend, Laura, Laura. Time slips all like, why am I the only one in a costume? And he's like, it's pretty obvious to figure out why. I mean, look. rah. I meant, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is pretty bad in this one. He's always been pretty bad. He's never really stood out, and there's a reason why. There's a reason why the New Warriors didn't want them
0: there. Mm-hmm. Mikey uh, is awful, and I don't <laughs> like him. And I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> He has a hot sister. Yep. Okay. So you're
2: saying there's wiggle room.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing is we never find out what happens to his sister after a direth eats him. Does the direth take out the whole family? Because there's an opportunity for Mikey's sister to become the next Turbo and share that. With, share that with with uh, Mickey? Mickey Mustache, yeah. Mickey and uh M- Mickey, Mickey and, Mike, and
1: Mikey's sister. This. Yeah. Who has I, a name? I could, yeah, I could, read the, I could read that comic. Yeah, that
2: sounds like uh, if only we knew. If, if only there was somebody in the comic industry that could push that forward, or was willing to do fanfic. Oh,
0: yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> I totally wanted to do a turbo. A couple years ago, maybe about 15 years ago, maybe longer, I pitched a turbo miniseries with her as Ultraman fighting Kaju against Doctor and Doctor Demonicus, Ooh. which I would, have, which I would have totally loved to have done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff, who is your worst warrior in this one?
2: Well, now I just want to talk about the comic that the, <laughs> I'm making in my mind called Too Many Turbos. <laughs> And it's Carlton and and Mickey and Mikey. Too
0: many turbos, too Too many many turbos, turbos. too (laughs) many turbos.
2: Which one is right for you?
1: Uh.
2: (laughs) Filled in front of a live studio audience. Mickey, it was my turn in the armor.
1: (laughs) Getting us out of this hole, but into another one. Who's your worst warrior? Oh,
2: my ever perennial favorite Rich Rider, the yep. now recently re-empowered Nova. And here's the thing on this is because I've just been seeing recent uh, Rich Rider things where I'm like, ah, oh, I like, I like this guy. He's kind of interesting. He's seeing a therapist, all these different things. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm digging on this character, but then seeing kind of his origins where I'm like, I want to beat this man in the head with a hammer. <laughs> oh, he's on scene. That's great. Could something terrible happen to
0: him, please? Please. Oh, please. Oh, please. So, had the New Warriors continued, Rich was going to get Gladorian Space Armor. The contrast was that he was going to go from being non-powered to being powered all the time. That's good. Mm -hmm,
2: mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Let's go ahead and take Rich Ryder
1: and move him up to 21. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to go with you on the Nova one. I I want to like him more. I really do, but... He had a few moments in here where I was just like, ah. and, and and I'm still a little bitter for how he he treated Friday. So I, I, I yeah, just... I
2: also am bitter about how he treated Carlton at the game of Risk, where he was like <sighs> pushing him down and bullying him. They were playing a friendly game, and still, Rich Rider is bullying. Okay. Our best of the best person, Carlton, the hindsight lad. Oh, oh, okay, okay, last name.
1: So let's go ahead and talk about the best warrior. Then, do you have Carlton as your best warrior this time?
2: Will it make you so angry that you hemorrhage? Possibly. Then
1: I will pick (laughs) Carlton's
2: friend, Time Slip.
1: Time Slip is a good choice.
2: Time Slip is just this... I like Turbo a lot. So she was doing a lot of good stuff, but she also was just like, let's kill Friday.
1: And she also also wanted to quit as uh, being a new warrior, too, and she wanted to quit a Hero. Right. She's like,
2: this is flight armor. I want to just fly around and explore the world. Mm -hmm. This is great. You know how fast I can get from here to there? I wonder what Singapore's like. I'll see you in an hour. You know, kind of a thing. But uh, Time Slip, perennially, just from her inception, has been a decent human being. She has done the right thing. She has been... You know, it's like the Steve Rogers thing. It's like, be a good man. And she is a good human being. She's great. She Time Slipped around. She's always wanted to save Speedy. She... Figured out how to defeat Advent with a
1: stick. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you with Time Slip. Time Slip is who I was choosing as well. Uh, I think the same things you have said. She did a great job. She was really the catalyst for a lot of the solutions that we had for a lot of the problems that were going on. She helped save the New and everybody at the end. And so she did a she, lot. Yeah, she, she
2: fiddled with the Neo Neutralizer yeah. and, and fiddled it down to just the local area and temporary for everybody but her. So yeah,
1: David, are you joining us on this Time Slip train?
0: I don't know. I think my favorite new warrior is always going to be Firestar. So that's always going to be the answer. Firestar is always going to be my favorite. And and Spider-Man and his amazing friends debuted 40 years ago this month for this. I think turbo is my favorite just because there's so much, they were able to connect issue 60 with this run. So well, I think that it, that it became very powerful for me. Uh, So it feels like a really good resolution of that. Plus, even though he's not a new warrior, technically, I think Garth Sol does a really admirable job as a uh, backup new mm-hmm. warrior. So more so maybe than Rich, actually. Yeah, he shows up, gets the job done and uh, doesn't.
1: No, he still berates everybody. But still, yeah, he... <laughs> he's a better Nova. He's a better Nova. He is a better Nova. And he comes yeah, in, he it... flirts
2: well with the turbo and then he leaves.
1: Oh, yeah. Well. We are done with that. we got a few more things to get through real quickly here. First of all, let's talk about our drinks, because we couldn't get through all of these books without a good beverage in our hands. And we had the Rogue Newport Nights. Jeff, what are you thinking about this?
2: I'm definitely drinking it because I like booze. I'm not enjoying it. It has a very kind of rancid tropical fruit flavor for me. So it, it's not doing it... Overly well. I want to say I've been enjoying it because I have been drinking it, but every time I kind of take a sip, I'm kind of like, eh, eh, eh. eh. So it's, I'm drinking it, but it's begrudging It me. definitely
1: has a, a strong little aftertaste. The nice thing is, is it's not hitting us with a lot of hops, which I like. Yeah.
2: So that's a bonus. that's a bonus.
1: But um, I I was hoping for something a little bit more refreshing. It's it's a bit of a chore to get through for myself as yeah. well.
2: Yeah, because I've, I've been watching you uh on the Zoom call where you kind of it's like. Rickle take it, take it and he's like oh a beer put it to his lips and go like oh and kind of set it down I'm like I don't think much of anything got sipped there
1: I've been getting through <laughs> so, it I've been getting through it I, I'm gonna say that for myself I'm giving this uh, three Powerballs out of five it's fine it's decent it's not horrible it's just it's got some uh, it's got some flavor profiles that I don't necessarily like
2: yeah I'm I'm gonna go for a, a two five it's would I drink it again ah uh, sure am I gonna seek it out. No. Would I encourage people to have it?
1: No. We have got our beers to drink, but David has got Wandering Barman. If I Remember that, right? A good old-fashioned. It's a really good old-fashioned. It's called Wandering Barman Swipe Right. I need to look that up. I need to look that up and see if we can find that out here to try it. For its
0: price, which is like $4.99, $5.99, for its flavor profile, I'm going to give it a, It's a solid four.
1: Solid four. And I'm going
0: to be looking that up myself because I At four out of four out of five. It's a solid four. It's the price point. You you really can't beat the price point and the availability. Uh, is it the best c- canned or bottled old fashioned I've had? No, but is it solid for its price? Absolutely. It's like the difference between crab cakes in Maryland versus mm-hmm. getting crab cakes in New England. You know, like there's a subtle difference. Crab cakes in Maryland are fantastic; it's the best place to get crab cakes. But New England makes good crab cakes. They're better at lobster stuff, but they make good crab cakes. You know, so <laughs> it's a four. It's a it's a it's a solid four. Solid four. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pivot
1: off what you just said there because I'm, I'm making a mental note for myself. At the end of October, I am going to, to go and brave the COVID times and go out to Baltimore's Comic Con. And I'm planning on being there all three days for that. And I was thinking about making sure I do some absolute must do things in maryland and you have just given me one and that is to have crab cakes in maryland so i will make sure i do that all right let's go ahead and move on to our shadow time we like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review and this is for episode 90 our first new warriors overview with Corey from the new warriors continuum
2: al sedano and the resurrections and adam warlock and thanos podcast
1: AJ, Certified mass Mister. Charles Gears. Clinton Robinson and his shows, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Corey from the New Warriors Continuity
2: Conundrum, who says, I really appreciate these fine gentlemen letting me stink up the place with my nonsensical jabbering for the second time.
1: Craig McNichol, who said, Straight up character assassination really hated what the New Warriors did to Alex.
2: Jeremy Daw who says, I've been intrigued by this, given I really didn't know until recently that Alex had joined the New Warriors. I like the title from what I bought, which was issues 26 through 30 something. It has always been a book that I need to read. Looking forward to this. And we would like to say a thank you to Jeremy for leaving us a really nice message on our website. Matthew Fenner, my comic book collection and sons.
1: Nicholas Brom and his podcast, Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio.
2: Nori Polier, who says, I love Power Pack. We're right there with you, Nori. We love Power Pack, too.
1: And thank you very much for leaving us a review on iTunes.
2: Yeah, we do appreciate that. I, I... I get giddy every time I see that we've got a review. I'm, I, I want more. I'm greedy that way. I would love more reviews. They make me pretty happy to see that we're, uh, you know, keeping our star popping. It's pretty cool. It's really, really cool. So thank you for doing that, Dory.
1: Nova Prime Page.
2: Sean on the Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast.
1: Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. And a big thank you to Tim for continually leaving us messages for us on our website.
2: Yep, I always get excited when anybody leaves messages on the website. I have uh, I think I've responded to uh, hopefully each and every one of them. Especially for the past couple of years, I've definitely been responding to everybody that's written something. So, thank you. Waffles, and his show, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. Wondering Ambivert.
1: And we would also like to thank our wonderful, wonderful supporters on Patreon, including adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy and chuckling
2: Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically
1: dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic and entertaining Edward Verroche. Justing, joking and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw, Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey.
2: Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Lazerwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad
1: and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically, terrifyingly, and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. I would like to say a big thank you to all of the following people who helped make all four of these reviews possible. That includes Thomas and New where we stole a bunch of information from, Corey Blake and his website, New Warriors Continuity Conundrum, for all a lot of other content that we stole, and you can find him on New Warriors Talk on Twitter, and of course, Delvin the Dark Web Williams at D Ray nineteen seventy seven for his help on our second episode that we did, and all of his help on helping us with uh, our questions with New Warriors, and of course, to David Galler who. Is here right now thank you thank you thank you so much for being with us and providing a lot of great insight and your own experience working with creators talking to people who worked on
0: this book and your own love for these characters and this book.
2: Yeah, thank you for joining us. We really, really do appreciate it.
0: I'm super excited and I love my New Warriors figures and I love talking to New Warriors and until, until there's some Power Pack action figures, have me back on the show anytime you want.
2: Yeah, welcome back anytime. Also, I'm so desperate for Power Pack action figures so much. There is a, a listener to our show, Stephen Gray, who makes his own custom stuff and he's made a custom Friday and he's made custom uh, Ale Fire and some Snarks and custom Power Pack figures, including Franklin. it's like, oh, those are really, really cool.
1: Before we really let you go, though, where else can people find you out on the internet? And is there anything that you're working on now that you want
0: to tell us about? I cannot tell you about what I'm working on because it's super secret. All right. But I'm writing video games and I'm writing some comic books and working on The Only Living Girl. I finished The Shield with Rob Liefeld that came out in June. Uh, um, Maybe we'll talk more about that at some point. Comic books and video games, people can find me on the internet at I'm usually on Twitter, at David Gallagher, D-A-V-I-D-G-A-L-L-A-H-E-R, and I'm usually friendly and approachable. This is very true, because
1: we asked him to come onto our our silly little show to do something that's insane about covering multiple issues of one comic book series, but I cannot stress enough to check out his The Only Living Boy. This is a very, very good book, especially if you have kids. Uh, I gave this to my daughter, and she burned through it, and she loved it, and... I loved it when I finally got it out of her cold hands, but it is a very, very good story. The art is incredible in it as well, and it's got some great characters. You do a very, very
0: good job writing, sir.
1: Thank you. You might, you might even, you might even make a living out of it. I, I might.
0: Uh, and Steve Ellis, who worked on that with me, he worked on. Uh, we worked on High Moon, the Werewolf western for DC Comics. We worked on the Dark Star and the Winter Guard miniseries that we did for Marvel, and Box Thirteen, which we did for Comicsology, and currently working on the Only Living Girl. I can't believe because I forget how many pages. Only living girl is. But that's, I mean, only living boy is. But that's over 400 pages of story that I wrote. Chunk. This is a
1: thick, thick book. Yes. <laughs> it's a thick book. Like I said, I gave it to my daughter, and she burned through it. And then she just kept on going, to like, are you finished with it yet? Daddy's got to work during the day, okay, kid? <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It's it's been so much fun to work on. So I'm super excited about that. And then, yeah, I, I wish I could tell talk more about the super secret stuff I'm working on, but I can't do that. All
1: you need to tell us is that you have more content coming out that we should look forward well, to. I have
0: a video game that I wrote for Tom Clancy called Ghost Recon Breakpoint which came out a couple Ooh. years ago, but I did two years and wrote that game for two years and Ghost Recon's Wildlands. So if you're a video gamer and you really like Tom Clancy stuff or like eighties uh, retro GI Joe stuff meets lost, it's a game for you. So I've worked on that game for two years and Terminator's in it and Tomb Raider and a lot of little fun little guest appearances by
1: characters. Nice. Nice. Well, we are going to let you get out of here. So we're just going to wrap this up really quickly. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Our Junior Agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and of course, my amazing movie show that I've got, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, which you can also find on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go
2: to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack.
1: Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon, and New York City. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Represent all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present.
2: And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud sport of the Hero Initiative and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more.
1: Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media.
2: And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs.
1: My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie.
0: My fiancee Hillary and our daughter Aurora. All my fans. (laughs) <laughs> we, we love, love you, you. Uh, we, we, yes but not in a creepy way until next time costumes off our theme music is A's action also
1: featured in this episode is peppy peppy all music is by Kevin McLeod at coptech.com and is licensed under creative commons by attribution for burner license and then we're done <laughs> I can I can cut that all in there no I'm using yours David that was perfect that was you went off on it and it was great <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power Pack. Oh, wait, do I need to do something like, hi, this is David Gallagher, and you're listening to Unpacking the Power Pack.
2: Great. Uh, Charlie 27 just picking up a couch with people on it, like, maybe it's under the
1: couch. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy don't really care about people's stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or people's they, they, times. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, they don't understand personal space. Great. We love you like Jesus loves you.
0: As a friend. (laughs) Right. And a loved one and a companion. (laughs)
1: Great. And then, David, go ahead and give us the costumes off. Costumes off! Wait, wait, in a creepy way?